But uh, good morning. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, my family had a nice, relaxing one. And I think yesterday was one of the first days in a while where I did absolutely nothing productive. I did not do one thing productive yesterday. Uh, felt like a teenager uh, again. So when I went to bed last night, I was feeling pretty sorry. But uh, I guess that's what you feel like when you don't do absolutely nothing productive in a day. But uh, this morning, we're going to continue our series on the names of God. We started this series uh, just trying to learn more about God. God is indescribable. God has characteristics that we can't even contain in our human language. He's uncontainable. He's indescribable. And no one word and no name can capture all of who God is. So the Bible takes and gives us many names. There are many names of God in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New. And the names describe an aspect or a characteristic of our wonderful God that we serve. The three main names we were talking about was El, Jehovah, and Adonai. All of them as well have compound names, and they show some sort of aspect that goes with his characteristics of those names. And this morning, I want to talk about the most popular name of God in the Old Testament. This is the one that's referred to more than any other. It is the most common. It's called El Shaddai. El Shaddai, translated into the English language, it's the Lord God Almighty. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. What this means is that he is supreme. He is overpowering. Literally in the Hebrew word means a thunderer or a overpowerer. That he is overpowering in all things, supreme over all. God is the highest order of anything or everything ever made or created. He is over it all. He is supreme. There is nothing of a higher order than El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. God is supreme in His nature. God is supreme in His power. God is supreme in His wisdom. God is supreme in all things. He is the Lord God Almighty over creation, over His will, over His power, over anything we could think. He is Almighty, the Lord God Almighty. And well, just like anything else in the Bible, to know something's the easy part, right? And when we read the Bible, we get information, but the hard part is transformation. How do we get that information into our life to transform our hearts, to transform our walk with Him? And for us, especially for those that are constantly battling uh, this issue in our life as well as many others, uh, that we control, we want to control our life. We have trust issues. We want to do it our way. We want to do it like Burger King. We want it our way, right? Haven't been to Burger King lately, but you don't get it your way at Burger King either. Uh, but, you know, I hope that you look and you realize that sometimes we're hard-headed. Sometimes we are, there's a constant battling, battle between surrendering to God and having it your own way. And a lot of times I know I'm guilty of that. That I want to help God. I want to teach God. I want to show God. I want to, I want to show Him how to get it done better. Or in more, a better, better timing or qu more quickly. And especially when life is tough. Especially when things are not going your way. Especially when you decide you can do a better job than God. You start taking the matters into your own hands. And all of a sudden you end up with a mess. All of a sudden you end up with heartache. All of a sudden you end up with pain. And many times in the Bible we can see when people take it in their own hands, what happens? We can see it in Moses' life. We can see it in Abraham's life. We can see it in, in uh, the apostle uh, Peter's life. You could see it in my life. 
I can look back and say, God was directing me this way, and I went this way, and man, I made a mess of it. And for you and for me, it is so hard for us to end up surrendering to God as the Almighty, the supreme order and the will of His life in ours above ours because we do not like to surrender. One of the pure joys in life as a father is that you are the toy assembler during Christmas. All the fathers said amen, right? So uh, this year and many years over the years, I have assembled toys for my kids. And this year I had the privilege of putting together a trampoline, a trampoline with a net that goes all the way around it and a basketball hoop, right? But even better than that, the ground was soaking wet from the, from the rain before, the night before, and it was 30 degrees outside, all right? And I could not wear gloves because, you know, fat hands, little screws, and gloves do not go together, all right? So they had all these little screws and hardwares, and everything started out really good. Man, I was so proud of myself. I got the instructions out, as Tanner used to call them, the constructions. I got the constructions out, and I assembled the lower part of the trampoline. I got the, the base in there. I got the springs on there. I got the mat on there. And then I decided it wasn't going fast enough, so I decided to help the finished product out a little bit. And so instead of looking at the instructions, I just started looking at the picture on the box. Oh yeah, that goes here, this goes there, that goes here. And surely there had to be an easier way because I knew more than the instructions. Well, needless to say, I messed up. I messed up, and sure enough, I went out of order. And when you got ready to put the, the, the band all the way through the top of the net, uh, it wouldn't go through there. So I had to take it all back apart and had to put it all back together through things. So after a few outbursts of anger, blaming Tanner and uh, blaming Courtney and telling her she better jump on this thing for the rest of her life, <laughs> asking her, do you really need a net around it? Uh, I was like, that was the part of us when we were younger growing up. You had a trampoline without a net. You could break your arm, your neck, you know, your back. I was like, that's part of the fun. It's part of the danger. When you put a, you put a net around it, there's no, there's no danger to it, you know? And so uh, after calming down, I decided to go back to the instructions until it was complete. And guess what? It came out just perfect. It came out right. I say all that to say that's how so many of us is with God. We know He's supreme. We know He's righteous. We know His will is best. But we get in our own path and we start to set our own way. And guess what? We end up in a mess. We end up having to go back and take apart everything we put together and try to put it back because we did not trust in El Shaddai. We did not trust that He is the supreme rule of this world, that He is the supreme will of our lives. You know, it's said that Christians are like tea bags. You never know which one are good or bad until you put them in boiling water. And it's so true, you can look at one and say it looks good, but when you, until you put it in the boiling water, that's when you know if you really have a good one or not. And with your faith, many times a faith that is not uh, tested can be, is, not, is a faith that can't be trusted. And many times in good times, you don't really find out how good your faith is. It's in the tough times. It's in the hard times. It's when things are not going well. It's when you lose your job. It's when your bank account is empty. Sorry for mentioning that after Christmas. Uh, it's when your marriage is on the rocks. It's when your kids struggle. It's when your health fades. Does your faith in El Shaddai stand true? Do you consider him the supreme ruler over all? Well, in the Old Testament, there was a man named Job. Job was a good man, and he was stricken with many unbelievable things. You remember the story, his family was stricken, his home was stricken, his health was stricken. He had boils all across his body. He went through an enormous amount of suffering. 
And unimaginable things happened to Job. And Job and his friends would come, and great friends that they were, they'd look at him and say, man, you messed up somewhere. You made God mad, and he's punishing you. And Job would say, no, I don't believe that he is. And even so much so that his wife said, let's just get this over with and curse God and die because you're, this misery is too much, Job. You cannot trust in a God that's going to put you through this much. Let's just get it over with, Job. You've suffered enough. Let's stop. But Job kept seeking God. Job always sought God through the pain and the suffering. And in the doubting, he still sought, he still sought after God. And in Job's wisdom and experience with God is priceless for anyone who walks with El Shaddai. We learn something from Job in Job chapter 40. If you don't have time to read it, or you can flip over there if you want to. But in the conclusion of battling with El Shaddai, here's the conclusion in chapter 40. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer. Then Job answered and said to the Lord, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth, and once I have spoken, but I will not answer yes twice, but I will not proceed. I will proceed no further. See, as the series goes, God decides, I mean, Job decides to question God. And Job puts God on the stand and begins to ask him questions. And he begins to ask him questions of why happens this happen? And why does this happen? And why has this happened? And, and, and so God turns the tables in chapter 38 and 39 and 40. He flips the script. He says, I'm not on the stand. You're on the stand, Job. And he said, let me ask you some questions, Job. Where were you when the, form, when the worlds were formed? Where were you when you could tame the mouths of lions? Where were you when you could calm the seas? Where were you when the skies were formed? And Job come and realize that he is El Shaddai. He is the Almighty. And God says, who are you to even question El Shaddai? That's the word, Almighty. Who are you to question the supreme rule of the universe, Job? And Job had the proper response. He says, I have no answer. You are El Shaddai and I am not. Listen, in life, you're going to have to get to this point where you completely surrender like Job. You're going to have to come to a conclusion that you're not going to understand all things. You're not going to like all things. You're not going to want all things. But you got to get to a point where you say, God, you are God, and I am not. And I'm going to keep my mouth shut, and I'm going to walk through this battle because you are El Shaddai, and I surrender it all to you. Everything I surrender to you. And this is tough. This is tough in your marriage when you feel like you're getting treated wrong. It's tough with your kids when you feel like they get the short end of the deal. It's tough with your job when you feel like you got fired, uh, 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 not, not, not because of anything you've done. It's tough in your finances when you feel like you give to the Lord and you're faithful to giving and everyone else is prospering, but you're not. This is tough when you go through life and you walk through and you say, this person's bad and that person's bad and they're prospering, but why am I not prospering? And for us as Christians, for us to understand who the real El Shaddai is, you've got to get to the point like Job and say, you are God and I am not. And I'm completely surrendered to you. No conditions, God. No conditions. If you come to your life this morning, you consider your faith in God. Does it come with conditions? God, you are El Shaddai if you provide for my needs. God, you are El Shaddai if you make this work in my life. God, you are El Shaddai if everything goes my way. No, he's El Shaddai, regardless of whatever happens in our life. We've got to surrender it all to him. I've said this story before, and it's so true. Many of us want to fill out our, our will for our life, and we go with A, B, C, D. And then we say, God, here's my will. I want you to sign it and promise me all these things. But you see in the Bible, a proper view is to take a blank sheet of paper, sign your name to it, hold it up to God, and say, you fill in the blanks, God, whatever it may be.
In the Old Testament, I, I know of a, I, I, I read of this new, another story, and many of you went through this story with me, the story of Ruth. It's a great story of God's El Shaddai and the providence of the Lord. In this story, there was a woman named Naomi, and a famine hit her land, her husband dies. And on top of all that, her two sons die. So her husband dies, her two sons dies, and then talk about being in a trial, talk about being in boiling water. And as the story progresses, it has three people which represent three different ways we can respond to hard times. There's Orpah, not Oprah, there's Naomi, and there's Ruth. Orpah was Naomi's daughter-in-law. One of the sons uh, married uh, to this woman, and she decided she was going to go with Naomi. But as she was progressing with Naomi, they ran into some hard times, and Orpah turned around and said, I can't take it anymore. I just quit. I'm going to run back to my country. And Naomi uh, was there with her other daughter-in-law, Ruth. And some of us, sometimes we get tempted like Orpah. Maybe you're in the midst of a trial or in the midst of your marriage or in the midst of financial tough times or in the midst of a health crisis and you just want to quit. You just want to throw your hands up and run away from God. And you think if you can get far enough and further away from God that you can get rid of God. But let me tell you, wherever you go, wherever you run to, you bring all your problems with you. You can't ever get away from God and you can't ever get away from yourself. So the answer is not to run. And then you got the Naomi attitude. She didn't run, but she got mad. She got bitter. She turned bitter and blamed God for everything. She was, matter of fact, she was extremely bitter. She discouraged others. She was spreading her bitterness to whoever she could. She was trying to bring down every single person around her. She was always complaining, always negative, and always whining to somebody. And, and when you read her story, you realize that she was so bitter that they, she became known as the bitter woman. And listen, when you walk away from God and you become miserable and you develop the victim attitude, why is everything against me? Why do I always have the hard times? Why do I always get this? Why is it me, me, me? And let me tell you, we love to play the victim card. We love to play the victim card because we feel like if we're the victim, then it's somebody else's fault. And Naomi was the victim. Why is everyone against me? Why, does, why do I always get the tough times? And she got mad and she got bitter. But then there was Ruth. Ruth was the one who had the proper perspective. Ruth was Naomi's other daughter-in-law. And Ruth had the attitude, no matter what, I'm going to trust in God. She said it may be good, it may be bad, whatever may come, I'm going to have faith that God is in control. And regardless of her circumstances and regardless of what she was currently going through, she trusted God for what she could not see, but she trusted God for what she believed in. She said, I know God is good. I know he is righteous and I'm going to trust in him and I'm trusting in El Shaddai. My life is totally surrendered to him whether he does what I want him to or whether if he doesn't do what I want him to do. He's still El Shaddai. Listen, trusting in El Shaddai means that you believe that God orchestrates everything to accomplish his purpose in your life. Think about that. Everything in your life is either caused by God or allowed by God. There is no third category. There is no category where you could say it's outside of the hands of God. No, everything is allowed by God or it's caused by God in our life. And trusting in God, the El Shaddai, the supreme rule of the universe, means that you believe God orchestrates everything to accomplish His purpose in your life. God takes all diverse elements of your life. He weaves them together to accomplish His will in all situations. That's why I shared this verse with you this morning, Romans 8, 28. 
And of all times, it's got to be one of my favorite verses. Matter of fact, uh, on my phone, I usually try to set a reminder every morning, every night at 828, I quote this verse in my life. And it means so much because when you really understand, you really mean, understand the purpose of it, you could really know what it means to have trust in El Shaddai. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Man, I thought I would get an amen there. All right, if you can't give me an amen, give me an oh my. How about that? All right. You think about this awesome scripture. We can trust it. We can put it in our lives and we can walk in the power and the wisdom of El Shaddai because of the promise we have right here. Start in reverse. Think about the end part. A qualification for those who love God. See, this is not a promise to someone who doesn't know God. This is a promise to us as Christians. This is a promise to someone who has trusted in Jesus Christ. This is a promise to someone who has a relationship with God. You know, we talk about that a lot at this church because I want you to realize more than being a member of this church or more than being a Baptist or more than being a good person, I want you to have a relationship with God. A relationship with God means more than religion. It means more than being a good person. It means more than anything you could ever imagine in your life. A relationship with God is the most important. And the qualification is that you believe in Jesus Christ. That your qualification is that you love God. And the second qualification is that you are surrendered or you are called according to His purpose in your life. So you love God and you're pursuing His purpose in your life. I don't know what your plans are for next year, but if you can have these two things in your life, that you're going to love God and you're going to pursue His purpose for your life, you're going to be okay by the end of 2021, trust me. And what's God's purpose for your life? Some people say, well, I'm looking for His plan. I want to be married by this age. I want to have this many kids by this age. I want to do these things. A missionary came to First Baptist one time and she said, you want to make God laugh? And we were in a singles department. Everybody said, yeah. And she said, tell God your plans, right? Because listen, God has plans for us and He has His own plans for us. And when we trust in the Lord, we got to trust in His plan. We got to trust in His purpose. And you say, well, what is the purpose God has for my life? Well, if its purpose for your life is for you just to go to heaven, you'd already be there, right? No, it's not just being a bit. Getting saved is not just about going to heaven. Being saved is not just about being a good person. Being saved is not going about church. No, it being saved or being called according to His purpose is that you are being conformed into the image of His Son. That's what it says in verse 29. The bottom line is, are you becoming more like Jesus Christ in your life? That's the purpose. Are you conforming to the image of Jesus Christ? So in other words, God wants to take you as you are and make you into being something like Jesus. Think about that. In your marriage as a, as a husband, he wants to make you more like Christ. As a father, as a mother, as a, as a son, as a daughter, as a co-worker, he wants to make you more like Christ in every situation in your life. And listen, if you'd stop pursuing so much the specific details and just go with the purpose God has for you, wherever you are to become more like Jesus in that place, let me tell you, you will be pursuing God's purpose in your life. And as we go and we do these things, you look to your life and ask yourself, do I have a relationship with God? And am I totally surrendered to his purpose in my life? You know what we like to do? We like to put up fences and barriers in our life. God, when I'm at church, I really want you to use me. But on my job, I don't really want to tell my coworker about Christ. God, in my neighborhood, I don't, want, I don't really want to go all out for them. God, in, in my hard places in my life and other things, we set up these barriers. But God, I want you to have all this part of my life, but not this part. This is the part I want to keep for myself. But God says, no, 
He wants it all. He wants all of you. He doesn't want you to have compartments in your life. He wants everything. He wants it all and he wants you to trust in him. He wants you to surrender everything you have to him. And in your life, if there's nothing that is surre- if there's anything that's not surrendered to him, you need to be willing to surrender that to his plan and purpose in your life. And like I said, this is easy. It's easy to know this. It's hard to live this. Most people will miss God's will by 18 inches. You know what that is? That's the distance between your head and your heart. See, we know what God's will is. It's, it's the problem is when we actually have to do it in our heart. And when we come to our heart, that's where the surrendering part comes. That's when we come to the point where are we truly surrendered to El Shaddai? Is he the last thing that we look to in our life to bring purpose and meaning for our life? Or do we throw other things in there? And listen, for us as Christians, we must make sure that we're doing those two things. And then if you do those two things, if you have a relationship with God and you're pursuing his purpose in your life, then comes the promise. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Think about it. And we know what confidence. Hey, he, he didn't say we know that some things. He said we know with confidence with, with, with true trust, with no doubt, that, that without doubt at all, that, that when we come to our faith and trust in God, doubt destroys our faith. But here there's no doubt. If you love God and you're surrendered to Him, you can have confidence to know that anything that comes into your life is going to be caused by God or allowed by God in your life. You can have that confidence. We know. And we can know 100% with trust and confidence in God. 100%. And the cool thing about this is the more that you walk with God, the more you realize this is true. You know, in my life, I have found God to be more and more and more faithful. Just like in marriage. I can remember when Aaron and I first got married. It's going to be 21 years coming up. I know I don't look that old. I know you guys kind of gasped when I thought it, but yeah. Uh, and, and when we've been married 21 years, I remember when we first got married and uh, we had a few, uh, you know, disagreements. And I was thinking, man. I think maybe I was too hard on her. I hope she comes back, you know? And she would leave and go off to work and be getting a little late. I'm like, oh, man, she's not home yet. Uh-oh. Maybe she just decided to stay in Hilliard. I don't know what happened. And, and yet, all of a sudden, then there she would come. She would show up time and time again. And then all of a sudden, she started knowing all my weaknesses and all my failures and all my things. I was like, man, if she ever finds out about this. And then she'd find out about it. And next thing you know, over 20-something years of proven walking faithfulness, the love is stronger now than it was well, on my behalf it is at least. But anyhow, it's stronger now than it was when we first began. And when we first began, you couldn't convince me that I could love her anymore. But through experience and through time and through loving one another for 20-something years, it just gets better and better and you have more faith and more trust because you believe in that person. It's the same with God. When you walk with God, He shows Himself faithful time and time and time again. You know you have a confidence that no matter what comes in your life, that it's going to be all right, that you can have faith and trust and confidence in it, that we know that all things, not some things, all things. Listen, there are going to be some bad things coming in your life. I talked about this Thursday night, and I hope you realize this as a Christian. Just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that all things, good things are going to come in your life. And some people take this verse and they say, yeah, all things are good. And then if your child dies or your car breaks down or you lose your home or your marriage gets destroyed, say, yeah, that's really good. No, that's not good. That's not a good thing. That's not the promise. It's not that all things are good. It's that that all things, good or bad, work together. 
That's the point. That when you get God involved in all things in your life, it literally can be read, God works all things together. That you have a God who's El Shaddai that works on your behalf for His purpose in your life. And you can have confidence and sit back to know that God is involved working everything in your life together for your good and for His glory. Think about that. Man, that is exciting. That is good news that we could take any good thing or bad thing in our life and we can trust that God is working on our behalf for His purpose. And listen, in your life, there's a lot of bad things that might have come through 2020. But to know that God is there working every one of them together for your good. Most of you know that I like, you couldn't guess this, but I do like sweets. And uh, I like desserts. And when Erin would cook, she cooks a lot. And so when she cooks, she makes certain things, especially with uh, certain types of icing. I love icing on cake or icing on cupcakes, icing on anything, icing on Oreo balls, icing on different things. But anyhow, I love icing. So when we first was getting married or first married, she was cooking, and I realized that when she would leave the room, I'd have to try to steal some of the icing. Well, I kind of got to it a little bit too early before she added all the ingredients to it. And so instead of there being this nice, creamy tasting icing, it was like this blob of like, you know, something. I don't know what it was, but it was bad and it was bitter. And and it was so bitter that I had to spit it out because it was like, that is not what I was expecting. And and for us as Christians, many times we want to jump in there and we want to take it over before God gets done with it. God's not done with that situation. God's not done with the bad things. God hasn't mixed all the ingredients together. And listen, in my life, I could look back at things when I think, man, I just couldn't understand why God would do that in my life. And you fast forward five years later, I go, there it is. God took that situation in my life, and now look, it's worked on my behalf. And look how God has worked that out in my life. Good and bad, God works it together and works it together, and He puts it all together. And when it comes all done, we can have faith and trust and hope and true faith in an El Shaddai that will take everything in our life, good or bad, and work it together for good. And a great story in the Old Testament, too, is Joseph. Joseph is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. I have a lot of favorite stories in the Bible. But in the Bible, you know, Joseph, he was going through this whole process and his dad and his, his brothers took him and they sold him into slavery. And he went to this uh, place and Potiphar went crazy and his wife went crazy on him. So he got kicked out of there and he had to go to the jail and he was in the jail and, and the guy says, hey, can you interpret my dream? And he interpreted his dream. So he got out and he says, don't forget me. And guess what the guy did? He forgot him. He forgot him like 15 years and Joseph was sitting in the jail. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh needed someone to interpret a dream. He says, oh yeah, I remember a guy way back when I was in jail. His name was Joseph. And so Joseph got, he, he interpreted the dream for Pharaoh. And Joseph was elevated all the way to the second in line uh, over all of the, the Egypt, all of the ruling power of the day. Joseph's dad and his brothers, famine came and hit. His brothers had to come to Egypt to get food. And as they came to stand before Joseph to receive the food, Joseph looked at him and it says he had to turn away because he wept bitterly for his brothers. And his brothers said, oh, we're so sorry, Joseph. We can't believe we did this to you. And Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God worked it for good in my life. Think about that. 
When you get that kind of perspective, when you get that kind of trust that you could be in a pit, you could be in a prison, you could be persecuted, all those things, and you could look back and say, you may have meant it for bad, but El Shaddai meant it for good, and he worked it all together for my good. Man, what a great, great testimony. So go back to my original three people I was talking about. Are you like Orpah this morning? Are you running from God? David says, no matter how high you go or how low you go, God will be there. Don't run from God. Don't run from His ways. Don't run from Him and don't think you can get away from Him because God will be there for you. Stop running from God. Or maybe you're a Naomi. This morning you're mad and you're bitter. And you said, why didn't I get a promotion? Or why did my kids have to do this? Or why did my marriage have to go through this? Or why did this happen in my life? And you're mad and you're bitter towards God. Or maybe you're like Ruth. And you're here this morning, you're in the midst of a tough time or a crucible when things are not right in your life. And you're trusting in God's providence and you're wanting to see the El Shaddai come through. And your hope, your hope is in trust and is to Him. And you're sitting here waiting for God to come through. Whichever one you are, I pray this morning that when we leave this place, we can leave and say, God is my El Shaddai. He is the supreme ruler of my life and I know that he will work all things good together for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray together this morning.